if it's this wonderful now, what will it be when we see him forever in a bodily presence and we're always, always together with him? Amen. Aren't you glad he's so mindful and he cares for us so much? Praise the Lord. We're going to pray and we're going to read the word together. My granddaughter, Eliana, has passed out a couple of times this morning. They've had to take her to the ER. And uh, she's uh, at the Naswanger this morning. And uh, I just got a text from Erica, and she said that when they brought her in, she's still unconscious. If you'd like to go, you, you can go if you want to go. Check on her. Um, certainly, we believe our God's a mighty God. She had been coughing a little bit, uh, not really feeling bad, but somehow or another she passed out earlier today and then passed out again a bit ago, so they called the ambulance to come and get her. So, anybody else have a need or request on your heart today? Amen. Let's just go before the Lord today as we pray. Father, we're taught in your word that you are a present help in the time of need and trouble. Lord Jesus, as we stand before you today, you saw all of these hands that were uplifted. It signified a need. Lord, and you see Eliana there in the hospital, Lord, and what's happened to her this morning of her passing out, Lord, and then passing out again and bringing her to the hospital. But Lord Jesus, we pray that your great mercy would be extended to her today. We're not sure exactly what's going on with her father, but I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus, may the presence of God move for her right there now. We thank you for uh, medical expertise and all that they can do. We are grateful. But Lord Jesus, we're not just looking to doctors. We're not just looking to all that they can do. But we're asking you today that you would just move forward. You see the cause of this, Lord. And we're asking you that no evil will come of it, Father. All the rest of these needs, Lord, that was visible and no doubt many streaming the service, they raised their hand because they had something that they needed prayer for too. We pray that you'd be mindful of them. And Lord, as I stand here today, I'm in such need, Lord, to be able to help me. You know as a human, Lord Jesus, uh, to try to separate ourselves away from the human part and all the human thoughts and things that we deal with. So I pray that you'd help me to be able to move this aside, Lord, to be able to speak to your children. Dear God, we love you so much. How we're longing for the day, Lord, when we'll be set free from sickness and trouble and heartache and difficulty. We thank you for it, Father. Speak to us today your precious word, Lord, we ask in the name of the Lord Jesus. And the saints said, Amen. Ain't God good? Amen. Let's turn to the Song of Solomon, if you would, and again this morning, chapter 7. Praise the Lord. Song of Solomon, chapter 7, verse 11. Thank you, Jesus. Come, my beloved, let us go forth into the field. Let us lodge in the villages. Oh, how she's longing, hungering to be able to move into such a place with her king. Let us get up early to the vineyards. Let us see if the vine flourish, whether the tender grape appear and the pomegranates bud forth. There will I give thee my loves. The mandrakes give a smell at our gates are all manner of pleasant fruits, new and old, which I have laid up for thee, O oh, my beloved. May the Lord bless his words. You may be seated. 
Let us also turn, if you would, to Romans chapter 8, verse 20. As we looked last night, the greatness of our God to bring into such display His mercy, to help us see His greatness, that it would be revealed, even as odd as it may seem, in pain and in sickness and in difficulty. We all know that we can see Him in miracles and signs and supernatural and We have no question in our mind that God can do and move in such a way that there's absolutely no explanation any other way, but it was a supernatural intervention. But yet we also believe that our God lets difficulty arise and hardships, and we can all say amen to that. That it comes our way, and we just be faithful, and we can stand and watch Him as He moves, and we can see again the display of His greatness. So we see this here in Romans chapter 8, verse 20. For the creature, and as I mentioned to you last night, that the word creature is actually creation. The creation was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by him, by the reason of him who has subjected the same in hope. So God does not allow difficulty and hardships and things to come our way without there being a great purpose for it. We don't always understand it, and I'm convinced that there'll be a lot of things that'll happen to us that we will never understand until we get there that day and look back in time, and then God will help us to see it and make it clear. I love how that Paul writes this in that he says that it was made subject to vanity, not willingly. So it became, the word vanity is quite a word. It means it became empty, lost to its original significance. So it became empty and lost to its original significance. So the earth that we see today, and my, we look at her now in the spring and how beautiful that it is, and we can see the resurrection of life of the spring solstice swinging around in the cycle of the sun, and it's marvelous, is it not? It's beautiful. It's wonderful. But yet, in reality, if we could have seen it, what it was in its original state, what we see today looks like almost nothingness. It looks like an emptiness, a void. And you think, but Brother Donnie, look how beautiful it is. That's what I'm trying to explain to you. If it's this beautiful today, and it is, but can you imagine the word that Paul used when he said the creature was made subject to vanity, which means empty, lost of its original significance. The Greek word meoteos means to seek without finding. To seek without finding. So the earth, once again, and at least our part of the world, has come around to where that it's seeking a portion, a little small part of that original Eden beauty that was given to it so many thousands of years ago. Will it achieve it? It won't. It knows that it will only be as it was for a short season. Before we know it, May will be here. Before we know it, June will be gone. Before we know it, we'll be looking August in the face. And the next thing you know, October will be here. The leaves will be falling. And what will we see? Those beautiful trees and flowers before long will only be a memory. And they will be faded away. Their leaves will have dropped off, fallen back down to the ground, already started entering into the potash, the calcium, and all that things that they were. And before long, it will be gone, and the dread of wintertime will be on us again. 
And the earth has been through this cycle over and over and over again, waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. When the sons of God will come back to their place, because as we mentioned last night, that God synchronized the destiny of the earth with the destiny of man. And the earth was placed under man's dominion or his domain. And God made them and said, let them have dominion over the earth. Let them rule over the fishes of the sea, over the fowls of the air. And God gave them a great dominion. And when the man failed because of his choice, and he accepted something contrary to God's word, then everything under his dominion fell with him. And the earth has longed, and still to this very day, we do not hear it, but Paul put it as it were in a stage that the earth had a voice by which it could express its sadness and its sorrow. And he says, for the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who hath subjected the same in hope. So Almighty God subjected the earth, the beautiful creation that it was in the beginning, but he subjected it with a divine purpose and a call. But God knows, and the earth and whatever ability it can perceive right and wrong, knows that it will not be brought back into its original state until the sons of God are brought back first. The earth, no wonder it is groaning and longing and desiring to be restored back to its original state. Because it knows once it gets back there, the eternity will be looped up. The circle of time will be pulled up back into eternity again. And there will be no more winter time. There will be no more hospitals. There will be no more sickness. There will be no more trouble or sadness. And the purpose of God will be fulfilled, completed. In this, it may, may seem odd to us, and you know, people question all the time, well, why would God allow babies to be born blind, and why would God allow death, and why would God allow sickness, and we know, of course, that's the ignorance of people not understanding the great program of God, that God never caused this in the first place, but he put man in control, and man is the one who chose to go this way. Notice in verse 21 that Paul said, Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. So here Paul places the creation, uh, the everything that's in the domain of the earth. He places everything there and ties it back together with the restoration of man. So the earth will be liberated from all the things that it goes through. As our old nature must pass away when we are born again. So must the nature that is on the world. Now the world itself does not have a nature. It is not actually a human. So it doesn't have the ability to be sinful. It does not have the ability to be right or wrong. You look at a dog. And a dog does not have the ability to be able to choose heaven or hell. A hog does not have the ability to choose heaven or hell. But when human beings condescend to a level to where they are living the life of animals, you can see why God so condemns them. So then a person who comes to the Lord and they turn back to the way of the world, the scripture likens them to a dog going back to its vomit or a hog that returns to her wallowing in the mire. Is that right? 
Now why is that? Because the human being has a soul. So when the human being will lay aside God's truth and God's righteousness and live a life like a hog, live a life like a dog, this is why God will judge them so severely. Because they are a human with a soul, but they choose rather to live like animals. Can't you see the age we're living in? But God did not intend for humans to be that way, nor did God intend for the earth to be able to struggle in the winter time. He did not intend for there to be two miles thick of an ice cap on Antarctica. He never intended for the temperature to drop down there sometimes to 110 below zero and 100 mile an hour winds. God never intended for the earth to experience such things, but yet God did it subjected the same in hope. He has a great reason. Can I say to you today that I understand it all? I do not, but I believe I'll understand it better by and by. Now, notice this in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 31. Paul said, and they that use this world as not abusing it. For the fashion of this world passeth away. Now, this is a great challenge for us as the people of God that we use this world, but we do not abuse it. For the fashion of the world passeth away. Now, the earth itself will never be annihilated because it is one of God's attributes. And God loves the earth, actually. And God has a special care for this. Out of all the planets that there are in the universe, God chose this one and he wrote her name in the Bible. And God called her name. And yet God loved her so much that he was willing to bring her through the stages of redemption and choose her out of all the other planets. And there's planets that's greater, that are larger in size, and all types of things that God could do with them. But God chose to make this one what scientists call the blue planet. So when they go out so far in orbit and they turn back and they aim their cameras toward the earth, and what do they do? They take this picture and it sends back this beautiful image of what she gained her name, the blue planet. And when they go even farther back out into space and they keep on traveling thousands and thousands of miles from the earth and they turn their their cameras back toward home and they look in what is called the elliptical plane and then they aim the cameras back to where their instruments will tell them that the earth is. And what do they see? They find this little tiny dot that looks like nothing but a speck of dust. In comparison to uh, many of the great planets that are out there, the earth itself is so small and insignificant. And yet they find this little bitty speck of dust. And because of the way God placed her on the sun shining on her, this little speck was glistening and shining. What was it? The favor of Almighty God. Well, let people criticize us. Let them make fun of us. Let them do and say whatever they want to do. We are nothing no more than a speck of dust. But I'm going to tell you something. The glory of God shines on this dust. I'm nothing. You are nothing. There's nothing we could ever do. But the glory of God is what shines on us. It is the glory of God that illuminates our hearts, our lives, our understanding, and makes us what God wants us to be. Notice in Hebrews chapter 1 verse 10, Paul says, And thou, Lord, in the beginning hast laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the works of thy hands. They shall perish, but thou remainest. They all shall wax old as doth a garment. As a vesture shalt thou fold them up, and they shall be changed, but thou art the same, and thy years shall not fail. 
So we see that God will take a great, I mean, who knows how far the expense of it will be, but God will take a great portion of the universe of the stars when they've completed his purpose and time according to the scripture, and God will take them as they were a vestal, which is a portion of a garment. And whenever the garment has fulfilled its purpose, then you take that garment, you fold it together, and you lay it aside, and you move into another garment. So the heavens, the universe that God God made, place them there for a divine purpose. But one day, at least a portion of them will have completed their significance in the program of God and God will fold them up as it were simply a vest or a shirt or a sweater that you would take off and fold them together and say, you have completed your service. I no longer need you in my eternal home. But yet he himself and the saints of God that are living will never die. 1 John chapter 2 verse 16 For all that is in the world the lusts of the flesh the lusts of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father but is of the world and the world passes away. Now remember we're not talking about the planet but we're talking about the Greek word for world which is cosmos. It is the world order. So all the governments, all the politics, all the money, all the sin all that sort of thing will pass away and the world passeth away and the lust thereof but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever amen let's read it again and the world passeth away and the lust thereof but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever oh friends let's not be identified as the Laodiceans of this world that's drunk on the things and the pleasures of this life let us concentrate on doing the will of God that we may abide forever then as we enter into a new birth and our our souls are changed which ultimately leads to the body change we we will have a physical change at the first resurrection. As we experience that, so must the earth also come through. Water baptism under Noah, sanctification, the dropping of the blood under the Lord Jesus, and then there will come a cleansing of atomic fire that will go into the millennium. Then Satan will be loose for a little season, and then after that the true baptism of the Holy Ghost and tight by the eternal fire of God, the presence of God, will immerse the earth and the earth will be changed for hundreds and hundreds of miles. The great volcanoes will explode and the earth will enter into her eighth image or the final image that God will bring her to. Notice this Isaiah 65, 17. For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth and the former shall not be remembered nor come into mind. But be ye glad and rejoice forever. Oh my, and that which I create for behold, I create Jerusalem a rejoicing and her people a joy. Now remember chapter 65 is also the millennium and it merges into chapter 66 which is the eighth day. Actually while we are undergoing the change in the millennium, we are already in the cycle of the new earth. The new earth has already begun because the Spirit of God has started in that cycle. It will be consummated of course 
and ever with the millennium ends. It's the same way with you and I. We have the deposit this morning by the new birth. It has already set us in motion for the body change. That's right. We have already received the deposit, the down payment, and we say by the grace of God before long we're going to be 18 years old. I know I don't look 18 or 20 this morning, but that might change in a few minutes because I've already received the down payment from my heavenly father. Isaiah 66, 22. For as the new heavens and the new earth, which I will make, shall remain before me. Now notice what God will do. It will be a parallel between the heavens and the earth, that now the heavens as we know them, and we know of course that Paul went into the third heaven, so we're not sure exactly how many there are, but there are heavens, and these are the generations of the heavens and the earth, as Moses says in Genesis. So we know that God will change a portion of the heavens themselves. Will the constellations no longer be needed? Will they no longer be there? Who knows? We'll see it that day. But as the new heavens and the new earth, if you notice it is plural, the heavens are plural and the earth. So God will create a multiplicity of heavens, whether it is the stratosphere, the hemisphere, the spheres like that above us, or if it also goes up into the universe, which will contain the stars. I'm not sure exactly what it will be, but I know it will be wonderful, don't you? For as the new heavens and the new earth which I will make shall remain before me, saith the Lord, so shall your seed and your name remain. 2 Peter 3.13, Nevertheless, we according to his promise look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Revelation 21.1, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. Now this is paromachia, which means it passes from one stage into another. It's not total annihilation and a brand one brand new one made from original creation but it simply passes from one stage into another so John when he sees this in the vision and it must have been absolutely overwhelming because he sees something change in the heavens itself and then he sees the earth coming into this change and one of the most outstanding things was that John saw there was no more sea and now John saw the holy city New Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. Now remember, this is not the millennium. This is the eighth day. And men, notice with men, he will dwell with them and they shall be his people and God himself shall be with them and be their God. Notice what God is leading the world into. Now this is why that God could subject this earth into the state that it's in now. In hope. In hope of what? In the hope of this idea right here being fulfilled. Now he did not write Revelation 21 back in Genesis 1 and say don't worry earth. Don't worry Moses. Don't worry children. This is what I'm going to do. Oh he gives us little excerpts down through Isaiah and Ezekiel here and there and there but for the 
most part, man wondered, man pondered for millennia. What's going to happen? How is it going to be? But through the shedding of the blood of the Lord Jesus and the coming of the Son of God to the earth, then it opened up further the plan of God, of what God wanted to do. So it's a significance that after the cross, that the relevance of heaven and the view of heaven comes into such plain view. And then again, in the last days, because we are the generation and the age that's going to take the rapture. Man wondered about the rapture. They wonder, how will it be? What will it be? What will be the millennium? So what did God do? God took his prophet and he was able to expound more and more and more on the word of God to help us understand why. So we could be a people that are prepared for the rapture itself. Not only for the rapture, but for the marriage supper of the Lamb and also the blessed millennium. Notice this, I love this in verse 4. And God shall wipe all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more deaths, neither sorrow, oh glory to God, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things, oh hallelujah, for the former things are passed away. They're all gone. He that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Right, for these words are true and faithful. Can you imagine now with the earth, whatever sense of understanding and perception that God has given to the divine order of God. You imagine how if they would read this and be able to comprehend the future that lays in front of the earth. The future is not just for you. And the future is not just for the heavens and it's not just for a beautiful city, but the future involves this planet Earth, which was one of God's great attributes. The Earth's been standing out here in a nothingness, in a zone that at least is habitable by the departure of, of great mercies of God, leaving her thousands of years ago. But God left a portion of that life here on the Earth. Oh my. So the Lamb of God would be able to come one day himself and walk on this Earth and redeem this earth and allow his blood to drip upon it in order to bring you and I back but not only that can't you understand why when the prophet would preach one of the greatest sermons to me ever preached future home of the heavenly bridegroom and the earthly bride look at the very title of that sermon the future home of the heavenly bridegroom and the earthly bride but why didn't he call you a heavenly bride Jesus come to the earth, why didn't he call him an earthly bridegroom? Praise the Lord. Look at this identity. Then Paul, as we look at it again in Romans 8, 21, because the creature itself shall also be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. So the creation is desiring not only to have more beautiful trees, not only that the sun will be seven times brighter in the millennium than it is right now, not only that the continents more than likely will come back together and it will stand upright on its axis and the poles will be changed and all the ice caps will be gone, all that will be gone, but the earth itself wants to move into the cycle of the glorious liberty of the children of God. 
Amen. The earth is long. Can't you see much of this will be changed in the millennium? But yet the earth still will not be totally set free. The earth will still be under the work of sanctification. And after the millennium, the devil will raise, be set free out of his prison. And he will go about to deceive the nations. And he will bring them up against the holy city, the saints of God. And their God will annihilate them. So the earth is still not entered into the glorious liberty that the embodied saints of God will be on the earth. Because you'll be here in a glorified body in the millennium. But the earth will have not yet entered into its glorified eighth-day stage yet because holy fire from God must come down out of heaven and totally change the earth. So the earth is wanting what? What you going to have? Praise God. Praise God. Well, I don't mind telling you, the millennium is going to be wonderful, but the earth says, I want more. I need more. I'm not where you, where you all are. Y'all have entered into the glorious stage of the liberty of the sons of God. You are forever free. But I'll still have another war on me. There'll be bloodshed on top of me after the millennium. I don't want that. Oh, it reminds me of a person that realizes sanctification is good, but there's more. It reminds me of a person, well, I give the Lord Jesus my heart. That's good, but there's more. Oh, my. The glorious liberty of the sons of God. Notice this in verse 22. For we know that the whole creation. Oh Lord. The whole creation. Groaneth. We don't hear it. We don't have the ability to tap into it. But God does. All creation is groaning and travailing. The expression here denotes mutual, listen to this, mutual and universal grief. One wide, loud lamentation over the entirety of the fallen creation. It's groaning and lamenting and crying. A dying world You unite with a suffering earth as your body suffers from sickness and pain and anxiety and heartbreak. You enter into that suffering with the earth as she battles in the winter and she battles against hurricanes as she battles against tornadoes the barometric pressure of course being changed on the great uh, vapor barrier was changed from the beginning and allowed the barometric pressure to fluctuate up and down which also allowed these storms to begin in the beginning there was not such on the earth the great canopy of God as, as Moses called it a firmament that was held above the heaven it kept such from coming back one day it'll come back again and there will be no dark clouds that will ever move upon the earth as there will be no dark clouds ever move upon your earth again when you get into a new body can you imagine saints no more heartaches no more pain no more sorrow you would have entered back into the divine firmament of what God wanted you to be in the beginning notice this Paul likens it the travail to childbirth. The expression is extreme pain of childbirth. It denotes intense agony or extreme suffering. 
extreme suffering. And all the creation in God's original program is going through it one way or another. Can't you see why? If you're looking for a utopia here, that you'll, oh my, one day you'll arrive to be this great Christian and you'll never be sick again. You'll never have problems. Look, I believe in confessing God's word. You can confess it to your blue in the face. You're never going to confess away all your intense agony and sorrow. It'll help you to deal with it. Amen. But you'll never get to a spot in this life that you're free from trouble. You're always going to have it as part of being a child of God, as part of being a human being in this fallen world. It is an entirety of the envelopment of a world of pain and misery and anxiety. And there's only one true help. That's Jesus. Oh, you can go to the doctor and then give you some pills, and before long, you're addicted to them. You can try all kinds of herbs. You can try all kinds of medications. You can be able to do this and that and the other. Find a magic pill from down in Peru somewhere and find a magic root that they fell out of some kind of tree over in Africa somewhere. You know what? You can try all those things. Try everything you want to try, but there's only one answer to it all, and that's the Lord Jesus and His coming. Oh my, every age, the creation cannot rest until the plan of God has been fulfilled. Notice this in verse 23. And not only they, now watch him, he separates the Holy Ghost filled saints of God. Not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit. Now we move into Holy Ghost filled saints. So the saints of God also enter into a groaning, into an intense agony. Can't you see why the earth is going to explode and great atomic warfare will take place on the earth right before the millennium? She's fixing to give birth to her millennium son. Praise be to God. And it's going to come home, my brother, sister, with intense pain. The millennium will not be brought onto this earth. And it just be an easy transition from the tribulation period. And an easy transition and changeover from the tribulation to the millennium. No, sir. No more than it was for you when you got converted. When you really got saved. It made all hell mad when God started dealing with you. You think the devil wants to give you up? Absolutely not. You think he wants to give up the habits that you've got in your life you think he wants you to get complete victory and you can stand here as a son or daughter of God today filled with the Holy Ghost with absolutely every sin under your feet no he will fight you with everything he's got but that's alright we will fight him back because we are more than conquerors I know some of the message folks think you have to kind of just sin more or less a little bit every day. Well, Brother Donnie, I want to prove that the grace of God is still usable. So I do this and I do this and I do this and then ask God to forgive me. You you, you don't even know what it's even all about, do you? Sure, do you need forgiveness, Brother Donnie? I do. But I'll tell you, I thank God for another aspect of the Holy Ghost. It's called keeping power. I believe a man or woman can be a young person and be so filled with God and God's mercy that God don't just forgive you when you do wrong, but God keeps you from doing wrong in the first place if you'll let him. Well, some of you didn't like that, but I'll, I'll amen myself already. Oh my. 
Not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits. Oh, my. Eparche. To offer firstlings or first fruits, the first portion of the dough from which sacred loaves, the first portion of the dough. So the next time anybody called me a dough boy, I'm going to say amen. <laughs> the first portion of the dough from which sacred loaves were to be prepared or persons consecrated to God for all time. Amen. Persons consecrated to God for all time. Persons superior in excellence to others of the same class. Sounds like election to me, brother. Sounds like predestination to me. Oh, my superior. Amen. And excellence. Amen. The God of people in the same class. What makes you better? It ain't you. What makes you, oh, my elect of God? Oh, I chose God, brother Donnie. You never done no such a thing. He chose you before you even had a right to choose him. Paul lays this greatness on the Holy Ghost filled of God mixed with groaning. Not only they, but ourselves, which have the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves, the greatness of this superior class of people, and they still groan. That's what makes you groan. Waiting for the adoption to wit. The redemption of our body. I love this in Melchizedek. The prophet said then, when you become subject to that spirit, it throws your whole being subject to that spirit. And that spirit is nothing in the world but the seed word made manifest or quickened. Hallelujah. Made alive. He said when the Bible said don't do this, that body quickly turns to it. There is no question. Then if the same spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, it will quicken your mortal body. Now that scripture does not necessarily apply as the Pentecostals applied in the way I used to apply it when I was a Pentecostal, that it'll quicken your mortal body, which I thought made, made you shout, made you jump around. No, the real application of that scripture is whenever sin is placed before you, if the spirit of God lives in you and says, hey, don't you do that, turn your head, get off that website, Side. Don't you do that. Don't you use your smartphone for this and that or the other. Come on, saints. Then the Spirit of God in you will quicken your hand to get off there. It will quicken your hand to say, that's not becoming to a son of God. I need to quit that. Why? It quickens your mortal body. Have you noticed what it does? He said, there's no question. So now, wait a minute. So-and-so does this. And I heard the deacon's daughter done that. And I heard the trustee. It has no question about it. What is it? It's the earnest of the resurrection. This body will be raised up again. Oh, praise God. Because it's already started. 
When the Spirit of God comes and helps you to overcome the world, the body's not born again. And the body climatizes and leans toward the world and acclimates toward the world. But the Spirit of God and you said, no, don't you do that. Turn your head. Stop that. Don't you do that. And the body obeys it. It shows you're going, brother. You want to know the evidence of the Holy Ghost? There you go. There you go. This body will be raised up again because it's already started. It was once subject to sin and mire and corruption. But now it's got the earnest. It's turned heavenly. Now that's the earnest. Glory to God. That you're going in the rapture. Friends, it's not complicated. Look at the life. Look at the power that's in you. That's what quickens your body. Oh, I, I, I feel pulled to the, oh, I'm battling, I'm battling, I'm battling. Well, get the power of the Holy Ghost in you to quicken your body. Notice this, he says, a sick person laying, dying, nothing left but death. That's all that can happen. I've seen shadows of people done eat up with cancer, tuberculosis, and see them persons a little while after that perfectly normal and strong. And there is, if there is no divine healing, there is no resurrection because divine healing is the earnest of the resurrection. You know what the earnest money is, don't you? It's the down payment. Well, praise be to God. If a down payment is this good, I can't wait till I get paid off. <laughs> Praise be to God. If I only got a little portion, my brother, sister, what would it be when I get totally paid off with a new body? He was wounded for our transgressions. With his stripes, we were healed. How wonderful. We love him. Oh, my and yet we sigh and we groan and we're veiled in these bodies of humiliation. Gray hair is humiliation for the temple of the Holy Ghost. But I have it. I'm not the only one. Wrinkles, glasses, contacts. Right? Crutches, wheelchairs, any type of aid that we have to have to help us. It is a humiliation. We should be living in a body that is not one day older than it was in the realm of the eternal. But instead, we're living in a body that every day you get a new ache and a new pain. Oh, I know you young people sit there and smile at me. If the Lord does, your time will come, so don't smile too much. I used to smile too when I hear people say all that. I think, oh my poor old things. Now I'm a poor old thing. My goodness, just it ain't been that many years ago. Don't seem like to me that I could go preach five days, seven days, whatever. Drive this and that and the other. My, I'm still recuperating over that, that meeting down in Louisiana. Preaching three times, praying for, my, I don't know how many, five, six hundred people, how many ever it was. Driving ten and a half hours on Sunday, not sleeping on Saturday night, not sleeping none on Sunday night. And then driving another seven hours, coming home on Monday. I think, praise God, I'm ready to go. I found out last night I was ready to sit down. 
You know why? My body will not be able to take it like it used to. My goodness, in Pentecost, I preached 55 nights in a row. Close out in Louisiana one night and start in Indiana the next night at the end of that meeting, we recorded a Revive Us Again tape. I better not try that now. Y'all be having my funeral. I won't make it 55 days. Why? Because is my Holy Ghost great? It is. My revelation for God is greater now than it's ever been. But my body can't keep up. <laughs> my body can't keep up. Oh, when them dynamics goes to anoint me to pray for the sick, I'm going to lay hands on them. I want to cast devils out of people. I want to watch God deliver them. But my body can't take it. Brothers kept coming to me the other night in the prayer line down in Louisiana. Y'all right, y'all? Right. Yeah, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. Come on now, don't know, take you long. No, I'm fine, let me stay a little longer. Please let me stay a little longer. I'll start seeing stars when I get too far out. I do. Start seeing stars right in front of my eyes. My lips start getting numb and then it moves from my lips up to my face, up in my nose, up past into here. When it gets up into here, I need to stop. I never saw no stars and my lips never got numb. But all of a sudden it felt like somebody walked up behind me and hit me right in the back of the legs and I fell on the floor. Why? The human being can only take so much. Was that humiliating? It was. For two brothers had to pick me up and carry me out. My feet never even touched the ground. Was it humiliating? It was. But one day I'll live in a body where I'll never have to be packed away. sister what awaits us as far as the physical part but I know this one thing this is what awaits us as the people of God to move past this realm this bondage this tabernacle of humiliation when we will move in a realm and the blessed honeymoon with our Lord praise be to God oh my Romans 8 23 again not only they but ourselves also which are the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body. Notice this in demonology. The prophet said, if you're born of the Spirit of God, you're a Christian from that time until you go away. Well, praise God, I guess the devil passed out on that one. Come on, devil, wake up. I ain't done. You're not a Christian today and then not one next week. If you ever become filled with the Spirit of God, you are a Christian from that time till you go away. And then you're immortal with God. That's right if you're in the church. Now let's talk about the death side. How could a person on that estate in that kind of condition ever be sick? Because that your body is not yet redeemed. This is why you can't trust it. It will lie to you. It will deceive you. It will talk you into doing things you know you shouldn't do. Your body is not redeemed and this is how you need to treat it. It's not redeemed. It's not your counselor. You cannot trust it to give you good godly advice. No matter how much, how good you are, how saintly and how holy, how much Holy Spirit, that's only your soul. 
and your soul is not completed yet. It's just got the blessing, the promise of God, which is the earnest of our salvation. But now if we have no earnest of our resurrection, no divine healing, then I'll have no assurance of nothing I can prove to me there is a resurrection. Again, he says, now divine healing and salvation for the soul is not on the same basis. Jesus died that he might save us when you're saved. You're saved. Well, praise God. As one believer, I believe in eternal security. We're saved eternally. But when we're healed physically, we'll get sick again. Did you notice he didn't say maybe, perhaps, or possibly? You will. But the soul is the immortal part. But you, when you're sick in your physical body, until this body has been redeemed, it's subject to sickness again. Exactly right. But it's got to die. It's got to perish. So did the soul have to perish. The thoughts. The soul is the nature of the spirit. And those thoughts and so forth in you had to perish before the new man could be born into you to make you a new creature in Christ. What's this prayer? Now watch, he's speaking of Satan. He can't get them to make them doubt your word is wrong. And they go ahead and follow it just as to the letter. But then he tries to come along and afflict their body because he knows their bodies still. Comb its hair. Feed it the best foods you think you deserve. Do whatever you think you ought to do to make it better. But it's still sin. This is where people get in trouble. They think they, this, this flesh is their friend. It is not your friend. Their body's got to go back to the dust, but their soul goes to God. So he tries to afflict that part, what he can. But I'm so glad that you included salvation for that body too. This is the earnest of our resurrection, the healing of our bodies. You understand, when people come up here last night to get prayed for and God healed them and touched them, that was another down payment of the resurrection. Every time a person comes up and gets prayed for, or if you're home or wherever you are, and the Spirit of God moves on the scene for you, oh my, and all of a sudden the presence of God touches you, you got just a little another deposit of the resurrection. Girl and I was sitting the other day, and she got up, and she said, Donnie, oh, my shoulder's so sore, I must have slept funny. I don't know what in the world's the matter with me. She couldn't hardly move her arm. Couldn't move her shoulder, couldn't move her arm. She said, I don't know what in the world's the matter with me. So she got up, moved around a little bit. I went another direction, done a couple of things and come back. I said, how are you feeling? Feeling better? Well, I'm feeling a little bit better. And we had to go somewhere together. So we got in the car and she said, I'm sick of this. She said, the song keeps coming to me. What needless pain we bear. You're a servant of God. Lay hands on me. So I laid hands on her, prayed for her. Glory to God. We wasn't in church. Was in the automobile driving down the road. Instantaneously, the Spirit of God moved that soreness out of her shoulder, out of her arm. The soreness was gone. The pain was gone. Come on, children. What was it? We got a little bit of touch of resurrection in our car. <laughs> That's my God. That's who I'm talking about. That's who I want to spend eternity with. Notice this again. I'll close shortly. So if we are a Christian and we're born of the Spirit, death can hold nothing but victory for us. Because this old corruptible body that Satan still has power over. 
will drop into the dust of the earth. But when that season, this is the wrong season now. This is mortal season. So this is your winter time. The ice caps, the frigid temperatures, the extremity and the drought and the, and the rains and the floods. What is it? That's mortal season. But we're looking for a season change. Amen. But immortal season is coming. When the immortal one comes, he will bring with him the immortal spirits that has returned to him from the earth and they shall come forth again in the resurrection for the great millennium and shall shine in his glory. Now this I don't like really. No more than you do. This old body still belongs to Satan. Any of y'all proud of that? Really? You don't like it, huh? You was just total master? You was just in total control? As a real Christian, you'd lay aside much of you would redo your temperament. Because there's things that's bothered you ever since you was a child. And there's things about you that you battle to this day. And if you was in control, it'd be one of the first things you'd do. Gray hair, that'll, that'll happen on down the road. I'd go on the inside of me first and fix some things. I'm talking about my soul now. I'm talking about my temperament, my makeup. Come on, don't sit there and look at me like a bunch of angels. You know as well as I do, your greatest enemy is yourself. No doubt if you had the ability, you'd go in and adjust this attitude and you'd change that and you'd modify that. My, we can worry about dentures laid and we can worry about brown hair replacing gray hair. Let me fix that real part about me that's caused me so much problem. As far as I know, I ain't got one gray hair that's ever caused me a trial. As far as I know, I ain't never entered to no depressive state because I got gray-headed. To me, I'm still alive, I'm above ground, and I've still got a few on my head, so I'm grateful to God for them. Praise the Lord. As far as I know, no wrinkles have ever caused me a cold, complacent stage with God. But I can name all kinds of things in my human temperament. Is anybody going to preach to me? You're going to look at me. There's all kinds of things. I don't just need a new body. I need a total rejuvenation. Amen. My soul has already had it. But I need a complete change of me. This whole body still belongs to Satan. And he knows that he'll take it at the end time. You imagine how blessed we are? There's going to be some folks, and I believe they're on the earth now, that's going to break the cycle of death. This cycle has been since the fall of man in the Garden of Eden. But God had one man by the name of Enoch. The cycle of death running his family like it running every other family. But God said, I'm going to allow you to break the cycle. <laughs> Blessed be the Lord God. 
Oh, can you imagine all over the earth today there are people of God that love the Lord just like you do, that believe this word just like you do, and God is going to bring to pass in their very lives the cycle of death will be broken. It will be working. It's working in you right now. The cycle of death is working you while you're hearing me preach this morning. But the time will come, amen, when the Spirit of God comes upon the face of the earth and God will say, no more. Come home, children. Praise to God. And all of a sudden, the cycle of death that has been working in you all of your mortal life will be reversed and stopped. Can't you see why saints of God many times die awful deaths? Painful deaths. Terrible deaths. Sometimes even more so than wicked people. I hope this helps you. Because Satan still has that claim. He knows that he'll take it at the end time. He'll crush it. And send it back till the bugs of the earth will crawl into it and eat it up. But he'll never touch that soul. So he still knows that the millennium, you're a parallel with the millennium now. He knows at the end of the millennium, the scripture says in Revelation, he must be loosed must a purpose in the program of God and he will raise one angel put him in and locked him up as we looked at it last night but when he comes out he will come out with such vengeance and rage but it won't be Custer's life stand it'll be the devil's You imagine when he's judged, every saint of God, that he attacked their body the life cycle. I'll get this one with cancer. I'll get this one with a car wreck. Torment them. Persecute them. Make it pain. Make them scream. You imagine God sent angels, make a note of how my son died. Make a note of how my daughter died. We will lay that to Satan's charge. He will never touch that soul. For it's the precious treasure of God. And through that life, like out of the leaf, it returns back to God who give it. It will come forth in the next season. With a new body that Satan can never touch Neither can old age or anything else ever touch it. It'll be a glorified body. Stand together. I know, friends, there's a great balance in looking at this. I know. God wants us to understand that our body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. But our body isn't the Holy Ghost. And our body hasn't got the Holy Ghost no more than the temple in the Old Testament had the Shekinah. The Shekinah moved in it and lived in it. 
but the same Shekinah that lived in it also moved out. The Holy Ghost comes in this place and helps us service after service, does he not? But this place right here does not have the Holy Ghost. Happy Valley Church building does not have the Holy Ghost, and one day it'll wind up being nothing but atomic fodder. But the Holy Ghost lives in you. Same in your body. Notice this, he that is in you, he that's in me is greater than he that's in my body. He that's in my heart than he that's in my flesh. Now watch him, he's addressing sickness now, talking to the people about flat, about the sickness and disease. Watch how he separates it now. Let me read this again. You got a minute, don't you? He that's in me is greater than he that's in my body. He that's in my heart is greater than he that's in my flesh. Therefore, he that's in my heart created the heavens and the earth. My flesh has been contaminated by Satan. And I am a temple for the Holy Spirit to live in. Therefore, Satan, I command you to leave my body. Well, Brother Don, if it belongs to the devil, and I just guess we turn over to him. No, we do no, no such a thing. You get sick, you remind the devil, my body is a temple for the Holy Ghost to live in. You've got my hands bound. I can't clap my hands. I can't worship God. Every weekend comes around, you stinking devil. I get sick. I get better on Sunday evening after church is over. And then Wednesday night, I get sick again. I'm sick of you knocking me out of church. Leave my body. Glory to God. I am a temple of the Holy Ghost. Therefore, Satan, I command you to leave my body. In the name of Jesus Christ, come out of me. <laughs> Praise be to God. You mean the devil in the form of sickness or disease can live in a saints of God body? Of course they can. Where does it live in the cells and the anatomy and the sinew and the bones and the tissue and the marrow and so on and so on? God ain't in your bones. Oh, I know he's singing, I'm a child of the king. His royal blood flows through my veins. Not naturally, it don't. He's in your soul. He's in your soul, which leaves the other realm, your mind, your imagination, your conscience, your feelings, your flesh. And the devil says, this is mine. The Holy Ghost stands up there as the enforcer and says, I'm sick and tired of you making me sick and tired. This body is a temple where God dwells. Get out. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospers. Prophet of God said, I believe a man or woman can live so close to God, so surrendered to God, that the devil don't know what to do with you. So in the morning when y'all get up out of the bed, you get, you go looking around. The devil, I, I got excited yesterday in the service, but I didn't mean all that stuff I said about you. I was in Brother Donnie's excitement. He does me that way every time I go to church. I get all riled up and then I have hell to pay on Monday. I didn't really mean it, though. 
But it ought to be you when you step out of the bed in the morning and roll out or crawl out or however it is you get out. But them devils say, oh no. Another day with her on the earth. Another day with a teenager, a Holy Ghost filled teenager on the earth. Another day with Joel on the earth. Another day with Dow on the earth. Oh, you're not perfect. You're not sinless. But look, we're not looking to our sinlessness. We're looking to the sinlessness of our Lamb. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. No, but my faith is in a perfect sacrifice. Praise God. Let's bow right together. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So in one sense of the word, you're sort of like poor little Cinderella. You're persecuted, you're hated, you're despised, you have to do all the dirty work. You're so laughed at and made fun of. But your Prince Charming came to the earth. Praise God. And he slipped a ring on your finger before the foundation of the world. Praise be to God. And he shod your feet, not with a golden slipper, but with the preparation of the gospel of peace. He changed your nature. Help you to lay aside all those filthy, dirty habits. Made you a new person in Christ. And set you in an ongoing battle that is getting harder and harder the closer we get to the end of the way. But he promises you, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. I'll go with you all the way even to the end of the world. And even though Satan may have the last claim on your body, all he can do is just become a chariot. That you step into that chariot and move across on the other side. And when you step out, the prophet said God sends loved ones down there. News, it makes news in the sixth dimension when you're fixing to cross over. And God releases someone or maybe more than one. And they come down to the bank of the river as it were. And in a moment of time, it happens so fast, you barely can even know what's going on. But in a moment of time, you're swept across. Glory to God. And you've changed seasons. Glory to God. You've moved past this mortal realm. And you step out of the little boat as it were. There's mama, daddy, brother, sister, whoever it was. You step up on the grass. And it's blue. And you say, oh my goodness. I've read about this for years on the prophet's vision. Look at this. Bluegrass. You take your fingers and you run it down through the tops. And as you do, you realize, I can touch. I can see. I can hear. I can speak. They grab you and you'll go up the little rise there. You climb up from across the bank. And as you go up and as you survey heaven... You look across the sixth dimension. There's the paradise of God. Oh, blessed be the Lord God. You have now been burst into your theophany. Blessed be the Lord God Almighty. You now have an intelligence that you never knew. 
You have a knowing that you never had as a mortal. You have sight. You have senses that are so far beyond anything you've ever known. And you're standing there alive. Immortal season has begun. They're wrapping up your old body. They're declaring the time of death. They're taking care of you and putting you in a body bag. And you're looking back and saying, fare ye well, fare ye well. Oh, happy day. Oh, happy day. When Jesus took my mortality away. Praise be to God. We'll be standing by your body crying and we'll come up to your body on the casket and we'll cry. But you can't cry. You've done moved into the realm of eternity. Praise God. How many wants to be there, friends, with all your heart? Whatever you need in your life today, healing, deliverance, peace, refilling of the Holy Ghost, why don't we just hold our requests before God? Heavenly Fathers, we approach you today, Lord. We're asking you, dear God, in the name of Jesus, that you'd help each one of us. You see our needs, our desires, our petitions, Lord. All we've known in this life is the realm of mortality. But, oh God, we believe there's an immortal season that is coming. And more than anything, we want to be ready. We want to be prepared, Heavenly Father. If there's one year today that's lost, may you save them. If there's one without the Holy Ghost, may you fill them, God. No doubt there's folks that have needs in their body, maybe in their home, in their domestic life. Lord Jesus, would you be mindful of us? Help us today, Lord. We love you, Father. Keep us by your grace and mercy, Lord Jesus. Praise be to God. Until we cross that river one by one or a whole camp of us goes at one time. It matters not to us. Whatever's in your plan is what we want, Lord Jesus. Praise God. Keep us by your grace, Lord. Thank you, Father. Can we just worship him? Oh, can we just worship him together, saints? Has God been good to you? Oh my, he's been so good to you. He saved you when you was lost and sanctified you and helped you with besetting sins and filled you with the Holy Ghost and given you victory and brought you through trials that you thought you'd never be able to come through. And God in his grace has helped you. Answered prayers in so many ways and even ways you didn't think was possible. Why? Because he loves you. Remember, no matter what comes your way, he's watching over you. He loves you. And he cares for you. Let's sing something together before we go. Can we worship him a little bit? Oh, praise the Lord. Now he's given to us. Let's not be selfish and walk out and say, man, that was good. I enjoyed that. But let us give him a little bit back. Let's minister back to him as only the queen can do. Praise God. Made in me a clean yes, heart. Yes, Lord Jesus. Oh, God. Let's just sing it a little bit now before we go. You're a right spirit. 
So thankful for what God's doing for us here on a regular basis. Amen. Let's just remember the service Wednesday night. Let's sing that together again as we go. Actually, let's sing that. I'm going to make it. You're going to make it this morning. Let's go, let's go forth. That's our testimony this week. Amen. I'm going to make it. He's already said that. I would I'll keep on trusting that he's working everything for my good walks beside me heaven is in my working 